gentlemen welcome you back to this live stream special edition want to say thank you to those of you who checked in with us on the last one we're back at it once again we're going to do something a little bit different this time around that's here tonight i got on the line with me my homie divine thought so please let's give him a round of applause oh divine what's good homie Yo, what's happening, man? Not much, man. We here doing what we do, man. Definitely want to say big shout out to everybody. Be sure to check out past and present episodes of the Nonstop Radio Show, which is available now on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash nonstop dash radio dash show. And you can also follow us on Twitter at nonstop radio 212 or my personal Twitter page at the Emilio White Bar to stay up to date with the latest news and highlights from your favorite hip-hop shows favorite hip-hop show so you know for everybody out there that's watching right now we already have a live chat here on periscope tv once again we're going to open the phone lines for anybody out there who wants to uh call in and speak on what we're talking about here tonight and the line to do that is 929-434-0922. Definitely check in and let us know what's on your thoughts, man. So, you know, once again, we got my man Divine Thought here kicking it with us on this live Periscope stream. So, yo, what's good, man? Yo, what's happening? For those of you who follow me on Twitter, it's Divine Thought TM. Because we're going to be touching on some, you know, music business stuff, some content stuff, you know. And I just got done airing that... Uh, that podcast yeah for the people out there who may have missed it what was the title of that particular podcast it's called the music business purge and reboot okay the basic gist of it was you know we because everything that's going on in the world and you know the virus and all of that it kind of shut down a lot of things and one was the music business for real. So, you know, music business is going to take a while to reboot. It's going to take about 10, 15 years to really get back in shape. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah. Music business has definitely, well, you know, I know we've had conversations before privately and off record about, you know, the state of the music business, you know, a lot of things that I've learned about it over the time, like it's been because, you know, of conversations we have had, you know, and everything like that. So, you know, I know the music business is not what a lot of people out there imagine. I know that a lot of things out there is, you know, basically just to keep people in the dark about what's going on on the real side of things. But, you know, you were talking about, the music business and the reboot that is going to need to take to get it back to, I, was, uh, I don't know, I guess some kind of like new platform or whatever. So, you know, elaborate on that for the people out there that may not have understood. Well, basically, you know, the music business was already falling apart before. And by the way, when I'm talking about the music business, a lot of people get it confused on what I'm talking about. Like, you know, and I'm not meaning to sound any type of way when I say this, but when I'm talking about the music business, I'm talking about like the actual business, like commerce, labels, and like, you know, behind the scenes with streaming services and, you know, radio and like FM radio and just the way that the music business structure was, right? Because right now, everything is shut down as far as, not everything, but most venues are shut down when it comes to performances. Right. So like, you know, how you used to be able to work your way up 
in the music business, you know, doing shows here and there, you know, working your way up through the smaller venues to be able to get the attention of, you know, a label for distribution or a label for a deal, whatever you wanted, or even just a bigger audience for yourself and work up into those bigger venues and into bigger opportunities. All of that's gone. <laughs> even the, even the bigger venues have a smaller capacity right now. Yeah. So that means less money. Even if you land a bigger venue, that means less money, but most likely an independent artist isn't going to land a bigger venue because the major labels still have, you know, somewhat of a functioning business going on. So they're going to land those venues for their artists. Mm -hmm. So it's an uphill battle right now for indie artists, not to mention the major labels still own all of the streaming platforms. <laughs> I keep saying it. You know, one day it's going to get through to people. I've been saying that since the beat goes in, man. Like, I've been saying that three, four years now. Yeah, it's been a minute. You've been talking about that on the beat goes in. You've been talking about that, you know, on this recent platform that you have now with uh, For All Matters. And you've been tweeting about it since I've, you know, come across you on Twitter and everything like that. So, you know, you've definitely been putting it out there for the masses and everybody to, you know, know and get interested enough to do the information and, you know, do the research and, and see for themselves. But at the same time, I don't know, I guess people just feels like it's just a, a mirage, so to say, you know? Yeah, they think they're independent. Yeah. And when I say that there's no such thing as an independent artist, it hits a lot of people's egos. And I understand that. I've been in and around the music business for 20 years in different capacities. I understand what it's like to deal with people with egos and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not to hit nobody's ego. That's not what I'm saying. I'm actually trying to affect change. I'm trying to get through to the independent artists. Like, look, they took physical copies away. And really, that was by consent. Mm -hmm. Independent artists wanted to be able to say, these words right here my music is available on all platforms mm -hmm. right that was such an important sentence for them to have to say because it was like you know it's just clout like you know oh i'm available on this and this and this and this well when you do that basically what you did was you signed a bad record deal mm -hmm. that's what it had because you get fractions of pennies you get fractions of pennies for your song mm -hmm. like you know it wasn't like that when it when the game was more you know geared towards physical copies and the money that you would get from performances and everything else, especially as an independent artist, you could really make a living as an artist because it is a profession. I know a lot of people nowadays treat it like it's a hobby and everything like that, but the music business is a profession. That's why it's called business. So, you know, and I know that again, I know that you know that, that just me saying that drives a lot of, hate towards my way and everything like that because people are like no it's, all you got to do is make music and you're an artist and i'm like mm -mm, nope you know what i'm saying that's not, yeah. what, that's not what it means you gotta like you know just posting your shit on soundcloud or spotify and apple and all of that shit like i don't even care if you went through a third-party distributor like distro kid and all of that it doesn't matter if that's what you're doing if you're not taking the rest of the business seriously pre-virus mm -hmm. you know i would hear so many excuses from people who never wanted to get up on stage and perform now they have an excuse mm -hmm. right they, they have an excuse to not get up on the stage and i'm hearing that a lot because you know i still try to work with artists but i'm hearing that a lot like you know 
I can't get up on stage and da-da-da. I'm like, yeah, not now, but these same people wouldn't have got up on stage, what, just a few months ago before the virus and everything shut down either. So a lot of that is like, if you're not willing to put everything into it the same way that you would have to do with any other job to be able to keep that job, Mm -hmm. and then you're not an artist, you know? If you never copy wrote any of your music, if you never thought to yourself after you recorded a song, I have to do something to make this legal, right? I have right. to do something to make this official. If you never had that thought cross your mind and the first thing you did was go and post it on social media or something, that's more of being a hobbyist right. than it is being an artist. That means you wanted immediate gratification with likes as opposed to long-term stability in a profession, right? So. Yeah. That's kind of how I look at shit. And that's the message that I try to convey when I'm saying that. I'm not trying to be mean towards anybody who just makes music for fun. You can make music for fun all day. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's teach their own. But, like, you know, you have to understand what you're doing to the real artists nowadays. There's only streaming, right? Like, physical copies got taken away. So you're clogging up the lane when it comes to having the real artists who are trying to make this a profession, especially now that there's no venues. Now everybody's really got to be in the same spot, right? And it's all online. It's all digital. And the people who have no aspirations of getting on stage and it's just about likes and all of that, you're clogging up the lane for very talented people who really want to make it a profession. And, you know, it's kind of the same idea with like, like you can understand with like music platforms, there's a million people that are doing what you do, but really are they though? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like well, you actually, it, but at the same time, they're not doing it on the level that we're doing it. You know what I'm saying? You got a lot of people out there, you know, they doing it for, you know, your little grips and grins. They doing it because they see everybody else doing it. It's almost like how we have the saying that, you know, everybody and their mother nowadays is a rapper. You know what I'm saying? So, like, everybody and their mother nowadays has a platform and their radio personalities and their content creators and everything when most of them don't even know to have. They just get behind a microphone and they just, you know, think that's that's all there is to it. There's a lot more that goes into actually being on both sides of the equation as an artist and as a radio personality than what most people tend to understand. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I see a lot of people that just create a, what they call a, a independent music platform. And they say that they doing all of this shit for artists and they say that they're doing, and their tagline is always, they're doing way more, than mainstream outlets are doing and everything. Like, and I'm but, like, okay. Like, really though, are they? Right. <laughs> it's like, are they? Like, you're not even doing more for, you know, artists on this particular level. So what is it that you're doing more so than FM and college radio and other terrestrial stations that are doing the same thing that you're doing on a digital level? Like, what doors right. are you opening for artists what opportunities are you creating for people that utilize your platform? Like, what are you doing that <laughs> is different from what any other platform is doing? That's always the question that I have for them. Cause there for a while, when I was doing those meetings and everything, man, I was coming across people that, you know, a lot, man. Nowadays, everybody has their own internet radio station or platform or digital platform, whatever they call it. Right. And they was always hitting me with the, 
like, you know, can you talk to so-and-so and so-and-so to get played on the radio? And then in the same breath, they would talk about how their platform is so big and it's doing so much. And I'm like, what well, the fuck you talking to me for? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you come? Obviously your platform ain't doing that. And that's why you're looking for other outlets for these artists and everything that you're trying to rip off right. just to be completely honest. So like, you know, it's one of them situations where, I, and then I ask him, I'm like, do you make sure that the music that you play is like, you know, copyright? Like, do you make sure that the artists own their own copyrights? And are you tracked? as a network by broadcast data systems and media base. Mm-hmm. So essentially does your platform report to billboard because all of these mainstream platforms that you say you're so much better than, and that you're doing way more for the artists, all those platforms report to billboard. Mm-hmm. And I can understand what they mean because the mainstream, like, you know, I know radio and broadcasting very well, you know, that experience. So at the end of the day, I understand what they mean mainstream don't do a lot like you know they play the same three songs it's all about politics and like you know bullshit and i get that to a high level trust me if anybody gets it i do but at the end of the day you know what are they doing i think when people say they do more for artists than what fm do is probably pretty much along that perspective where they think that they're doing something by actually playing their song because, like you said, like when you listen to a FM station, they only have like the same amount of songs in rotation. You know what I'm saying? Like you basically can turn on the radio, and you know at what time they're gonna play what song. You know what I'm saying? So it's like right. maybe that's what they mean when they say I do more for artists than what FM does, but in reality, they actually don't. You know what I'm saying? So like, but I could go to your Twitter page right now and the banner is a picture of like the old days of BLS, right? Yeah. So, see, you know the history of when FM radio really did do things for artists and when FM radio really was the outlet that you had to go to to make it anywhere, really, because every time you get a spin on FM radio, especially if you were lucky enough to make it in a rotation without having to pay. Like nowadays, yeah, it's all pay for play and shit. But mm-hmm. back then it wasn't when the DJs actually had some, um, I don't know, man, when, when, when they really cared when they, about, not only when they really cared, but when they actually really had pull or actually had an impact that could help, you know, uh, artists, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, I listen right. to a lot of these DJs now, and, you know, I'm speaking from my own experience, and I'm speaking also from the experience of growing up and knowing what FM radio was and how it was back in them days. Now, I'm speaking on that because I'm not... i never been inside of the music business as far as what I do right now as far as, you know, my platform and everything. I haven't been in any real tangible position. So I'm only speaking based off of my opinion when I say this. But I know, like, you know, the difference now when you listen to a lot of these DJs that are on FM radio, you hear them all playing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you hear another one that's playing a a record that's different than this particular DJ over here on this network or this DJ that's on this network is playing different music or in a different uh, lineup from what you're hearing out on the West Coast. But basically, when it comes down to it, they all play in the same thing. So basically, like the DJ 
on the radio level doesn't have the same impact that they have once before back when you know if you get a dj to spring you on a, a radio show like you you on your way you know what i'm saying like you're popping exactly. now you know what i'm saying whereas now where you know it and i know it that these djs are being told by program directors at these radio stations that this is what it is that they got to play you know what i'm saying and that's what yep. led to the inspiration for me creating this platform is because I didn't want to keep hearing that for one. And then also me being an artist at the time, I felt as though like the playing field was uneven. So I was like, why not try to create a platform to help artists out there in a meaningful way when and, and take it back to them days where, you know, radio was important for you as an artist with your career. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they see the DJs got their balls chopped off and they just don't want to admit it. Mm -hmm. The owners of the radio stations, I know this shit from real time experience. The owners of the radio stations, you know, across the country, I mean, from east, west, down, south, up north, it don't matter where or what radio station you pick, they all have promo companies that they deal with and they all deal with talent agencies. Mm -hmm. Now, that always was the case. But it became the primary source of the way that radio stations um, gathered their income. Mm -hmm. It didn't used to be, right? So a DJ, like let's just say, for instance, Funk Flex or somebody like that, like, you know, they used to be able to break artists mm -hmm. because they weren't told they couldn't like by contract when these DJs have to re-up their contracts, they sign on the dotted line that they won't play any old song. Mm -hmm. They have to play what they're contracted to play. And that's just basically, you know, whatever three songs that the promo companies and the talent agencies like William Morris Endeavor are paying the stations to play, especially when you're part of a conglomerate like radio one, urban one or iHeartRadio. So, I mean, that's basically the downfall of radio is when they started to primarily accept money from promo companies and talent agencies because then there wasn't any room for independent artists. And they tried to disguise it by saying, you know, they got a homegrown, like, you know, section of their uh, show where they would play some local artists or some indie artists, but it was never to the point of rotation, which means you would never get your track into the top 40 that way. And that's what drives the music business is the top 40. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what drives the music business. And I, I mean, that's billboard. That's what drives the music business. It doesn't matter if everyone listening here is like all the musicians that I like, or all the artists I like aren't even in the top 40. I get it, man. It's trash music, mm -hmm. but, what drives the music business at the highest level is billboard. It is the top 40. So, you know, if you, if you like some underground artist that let's say is really rhyming right now, most likely they grew up listening to somebody like rock him or like, you know, tribe called quest or something. Well, guess what? Those people, or let's take it to leaders of the new school, Busta Rhymes, whoever, Wu-Tang. Guess what? Those people all wanted to make it in the top. Their goal was to make it into the top 40. Right. And it, and, and it happened for them in the organic way because that was when radio was still real. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and FM was able to drive. And what would happen is one, all it took is that one DJ 
to play the song and then another DJ to catch wind of that and then that yeah. DJ would play it on their station and then it would just catch like wildfire and go across the country. Yeah. And it you could organically really like, you know, pop off as an artist that, that way. It's not constructed that way at all anymore. It's well, all based on talent agencies. So, well, you know, one thing I can say, you know, and this is from my own personal experience and being in this particular lane as far as being an online platform. One thing I do, I can acknowledge is that, you know, the dynamic has changed a lot being that you got these streaming platforms now where, you know, you got artists that got songs on then every platform that's available to them. But I've also seen that there is, you know, like a, a network amongst a lot of us digital platforms that we actually still do share records. You know what I'm saying? Like I realized that, you know, it's not a very big, field as much as people would like to believe because like it's crazy how i come across certain artists and they know people that i'm already networked with as host to host or whatever you know what i'm saying and then we still have some of us that like to share you know music that we get from particular artists and next thing you know this platform is playing and then it gets along to this next platform and then they're playing it and then it starts spreading like that. I mean, it's not in the same dynamic as what you just explained, but I do still see it that it still happens in a small space, but it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's not like it should be. And I feel like, you know, a lot of these streaming platforms kind of change that dynamic as well as because you got so many people out there that are pitting these things up here. And even though it's there, it's, it's like it's not finding their way into the right hands. You know what I'm saying? Then you got the people out there that like to pay for plays. So it's like you can't really tell if their numbers exactly. are changeable unless you're, you got that inside information. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would say, you know, like you were saying, how some of these indie music platforms are, you know, playing some of the same artists and everything. What would be better is if, that was still happening and then the owners of the indie platforms got together to really affect change and all at once emailed Nielsen broadcast data systems email them and force their hand to track your platform because then what's happening is when that artist that you guys are sharing the track with that artist will now every time that song gets played that spin will report the billboard. And sometimes if you as a tastemaker with your platform likes the song, you're like, you drop that, like you have that drop where it's like so nice, you got to play it twice. Well, if you did that, that means there's two spins on that track. So that's a real good look. And you can really help propel artists that way, as opposed to what I'm seeing where it's like, you know, that's a good look that the platforms are passing it around, but it's like, then it's only going to the listenership for those platforms and, and not necessarily, is it always a good, it's like as an artist for when I was coming up as an artist, I wasn't really too concerned about who was listening to the radio. When I got my spins, mm-hmm. that really wasn't my concern. I was, it was good if people heard my song and they would come to me and be like, yo, I heard you on the radio. That was, that was a good look, but Really what it was is that I now had something that I could put on my press kit Mm -hmm. as an artist. I had a spin, uh, like I had a track spin that was official that went towards, like, you know, 
something that I could build on, right? That you could go and get distribution with and you can go make a real name for yourself with. And recently I just did a poll on my Twitter, like, you know what I mean? And, and between all my accounts, I got like over 200,000 people like, you know, interacting between all my accounts. And then <clears throat> I had some friends run a poll that's in the business. And it was just basically like, if you hear an independent art, like if you are on social and you see an independent artist link mm -hmm. just pop up on your timeline. Or if you see an independent platform post about a certain artist, do you click? Mm -hmm. And overwhelmingly across the board, it was maybe and no. It was like sometimes and no. Yes was low. Like yes was real low. And the reason is because people are so programmed to believe the media like the the big media narrative that only uh like you know these big media conglomerates iheart and all of these other like you know what i'm saying if if they sign into spotify and it's the front page song right there in front of them like you know what i mean if it's the promoted song right there in front of them or if everybody else is talking about the song most people are programmed to to consume their music in that fashion mm -hmm. as opposed to seek out other music and when they feel like it's just there everybody with breath in their body considers themselves an artist yeah. so it would be one thing if it was rare to see somebody's link come up on your timeline right but it's not it's like every almost five minutes you have somebody's music coming across your timeline mm -hmm. so it's not that special to see that and it just there might be a gem in there, but you might never know because you're like, oh, this is just normal. This is these, like, you know, average rappers just tweeting their shit. Like, you know what I mean? I'll catch up to them if they ever if they ever make it famous, right? Mm -hmm. If they ever, what, how, will, how are they ever going to get up that ladder? This is the things that we have to talk about right. as tastemakers, as people in the music business, because I keep saying it over and over again, there's one music business mm -hmm. and there's one music industry. And I don't know why, but I get argued with on that point endlessly. Mm -hmm. I guess it's also <laughs> because, you know, maybe people do understand that, yes, this is one music business. And I think, you know, even like myself at times, like I've had it in my mind, like, fuck what's going on right now? Like, why can't we break away from that and create our own? Where, you know, okay, they got this one already. That's a wrap. But now let's come over here. Let's build something. Let's put it back into the right hands the way it used to be and do it like that. So right. maybe that's the reason why a lot of people may tend to disagree with you with optimism in mind. But then again, like, I don't know. Like, I, that's, a, that's a question. Like, that would be a good poll question as to why people believe that there's more than one music business. I don't know. But me, even myself, like, I still try to understand that yes there is just only one music business but i still try to keep that optimism in mind that we could build another one that we could create something different than the older model that we have and not let the corporations this time around get their hands on it but you know that's, that's just the key me. yeah you know that's the key that's the key right there what you just said now these devils that have been at the top of this music business man they're generational like they're they're granddad's had the same job they have now, right? I mean, this isn't something that, like, you know, it, I mean, everybody at the top, tippy, tippy top of the music business, the ones that really control shit, 
the ones that you might not even heard of. Like they're the ones that really control all of it. Even the streaming platforms that indie artists are posting their music to, right? right? Like they're the ones that control the labels. And there's only three major labels left. There used to be 30, 40, 50 major labels. There's three left because they all got absorbed. Like, you know, and so that's the key. Try to get, and this is my rebuttal to everybody with optimism. And it's not that I don't want to have optimism. It's just that I'm a realist. I've worked 20 years in the business. I'm a realist. I've seen it all before. I've seen the kumbaya bullshit. Like I had it. I used to, I used to think that way. Right. I used, I came in the game with optimism. I, I came in the game trying to change shit. And then when I sat down with a record label, like, you know, I got my dreams shattered yeah. because I had optimism. And then slowly but surely working inside the business, I realized what it was. And then I would see, like, you know, especially in broadcasting, you would just see people's dreams get crushed mm-hmm. over and over. It's like, you know, Groundhog Day with people's dreams every day that you, like, you know, got to send the artist back downstairs because they don't got their copyrights or they don't got their shit together on the other side of shit. Like, you know what I mean? And what you said was key. Build something that these corporate devils, okay, try to get five rappers to agree. Mm-hmm. Just five. You might be able to get two. You might be able to get three. You pushing it to get four. Right. Get five rappers in the, in the same room to not be selfish, to not put themselves first, and to all agree on shit. See, that's the problem. All right, right now, there. get five indie platforms to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean... Now, times that by, like, 10,000, and that's what you would need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, you know? But I don't know. Like, me, like I said, like, me, that's just me being, you know, optimist about what could be done. And it's possible if you get, you know, that amount of people that's willing to agree and work together. Like, I mean, I see it with myself, with, you know, with DJ Kawan and NGI Radio and various other networks that, you know, we are associated and affiliated with. But it's going to take a lot more than that because the problem is you got so many people out here that are still in competition with one another. Like, they don't want to separate or build anything new. Cause they're so used to what they see and everybody's still thinking, Oh, we got to go ahead to do it. And it's like, I understand that because yes, like you said, there's one music business, but it's like at the same time, it's like everybody, I like how now, like we got everybody just, you know, watching all the BLM and all these different protests within the sports uh, sports world and everything like that. And they be like, oh, well, fuck the NFL. Why don't we just separate and create our own league? Why don't we get enough of these entertainment uh, heads and people that got money to separate from that and build our own leagues and stuff like that? Why can't we apply that same energy towards the music business and do it in a tangible way where it's not selfish, but it's because really we are trying to create something that's going to be beneficial to those that are involved. Instead of having to this get, system right To here. get the distribution that you would need to get, like, you know, to break somebody to be... Because, all right, so when you get in a time time machine and you can go back to, like, just recent, like, 90s. I, I know that's not that recent, but, like, 90s, when you had, like, Woo or, like, Busta Rhymes. To get somebody to be even on that level, right, mm-hmm. to, to, to be in, in everybody's ears and eyes right? To get an artist to that level. There's a lot of funding. There's a lot of 
there's a there's 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 a lot of business and red tape that needs to happen to get that kind of exposure for an artist. So to truly change the business, the entire music business, you would need that level of cooperation with so many people to see, cause the devils at the top, they all do business with each other. And I don't care what pub stunt that people fall for in the entertainment media. They all work together and they all make money with each other. Even if they play fight, they all make money with each other and they all agree that this is what we're going to do. So, you know, you have some industry devil at a top label working with William Morris Endeavor, which is the top talent agency, right? And then they just figured it all out and and, and they figured out a way to control Billboard. Mm -hmm. So what you would really need to do is almost incomprehensible. You would need to get all of that funding to have somebody like if you have a hot artist that you play on your plat platform, which I've heard plenty of them, mm -hmm. you would need to have that artist get that kind of exposure to be in everybody's ears to really truly change the music business. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's not what the goal is for the artist, if the artist is like, I don't care about being that big, or if the platforms are like, I don't care about being as big as the breakfast club and all of that, it's talking about a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if, if, if the goal is some level of mediocrity down the line, then that's fine. That's, that's fine to have. But I'm talking about to truly change the whole entire music business is, is damn near impossible because everybody has their linchpins in it in so many different ways that you would need cooperation at the highest of levels to just have, to just like storm the industry and be like, we're not going to tolerate all of this other shit. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. This, this artist and this artist and this platform and this, we're the future. Right. But like you said, everybody competes. So what would end up happening is if let's say you and uh, 10 other platforms became breakfast club big. Mm -hmm. What would end up happening is y'all would get an offer. Y'all would get an offer. These industry devils would throw down an offer. Maybe you wouldn't accept the offer, yeah. but can you guarantee that the rest of the 10 won't? Yeah. Probably not. So then they accept the offer, then they get absorbed into the existing one already music business, and then that left y'all out in the dark as a lower platform still. Like, see, see what I mean? Yeah. I've seen this all happen, rinse and repeat, 20 years, man. Yeah. I've seen it happen. I've seen platforms start up and then they get to a certain degree and I've heard all the shit about how they was going to change everything yeah. and then they get a <laughs> they get an offer and then they take the offer because it's an M or two, right? Yeah. But then when, they, when their intellectual properties really get obtained, yeah, they might have got an M or two, but they just made 20, 30 million off it. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's the problem that we got is it, there's money, money, what did, what, what did Ted DiBiase say? The wrestler, <laughs> everybody's got a price, right? Yeah. For the million dollar man. Like, that's what it is, man. Like, you know, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. The problem is people would need to put morals above greed that's to true. really change the industry. People would need to put morals. I did so I can speak on it. I turned down a fucking major label record deal. Like, you know what I mean? I signed half the deal, but I, at the end of the day, my, I, I did not do what I was told to fucking do for the record deal. I could be like, you know, a has been by now, mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like I put morals above shit and I got, and really you don't get nothing for it, especially in this business. It's cold. 
once you start applying morals to this business at any level, you start to see, and it's like a fucking, it beats you down yeah. at every step because you start to see how, how you have morals. And then you might see somebody who was, who you was rocking with heavy. And then you see their lack of it mm-hmm. when they get to like, you know what I mean? And they, they start accepting certain shit and then they get promised the fame and the money and they might even get a little bit of this and that. So then they take the promise and they, they just give you the salute. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Well, you keep your morals, fam. I'm going to go get this advance. I'm going to go get the Right. And, 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 and that's the way it is, man. And it's so fucked up that I don't think we ever going to take the business back. However, I think that there's ways to work within it. Yeah. I think there's ways to come up within the existing system and kind of fuck with it and like, you know, disrupt. And I think that's what people should focus on. It's, it's more of a realistic goal to disrupt the system mm-hmm. because money will listen to how money is being made. So if you can come up with a better way than these uh, major label record execs signing a, a little kid to a 360 deal and taking all of their like advance and touring and merchandise and like, you know, all, all of that. If, if you can come up with a better system to go in and show how it can be fruitful to these devils and then you might be able to get up in there and then see, they don't care if you're really breaking artists and making dreams come true. They just figured out that doing the opposite of that is easier and faster. Yeah. If you, if, if we can affect change at the bottom to really come up, they don't care if like, you know, you could have the morals like, yo, I'm really going to come in here and help people. And you could keep that all the way up. If you can figure out, out a way to do that, like, you know what I mean? And they'll let you do it. As long as you're still making them money, as long as there's a way for them to still capitalize at the tippy top of this thing mm-hmm. and, and and i'm not talking about diddy or hove or like you know a lot of people that think that these people that are super prominent like you know of course J- we, i'm never gonna have that much money that hove and diddy and all of these j prince and everybody got right. but they're gatekeepers man yeah. they're mid-level and a lot of people think that's the pinnacle of what you can, that's the pinnacle of an executive or something in this business. And it's really not, man. Diddy's got mad bosses. Hov's yeah. got mad bosses. And I know that cause I met them. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I met them. So like, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot when you're talking about the music business and dealing with creating a whole nother system around the music, but it's just too much cooperation and it requires way too much morals. And I think that's why when I'm talking about it in my podcasts and my segments and everything i'm trying to get through to people like you know we this is the time where when we're in a downtime with what's going on with the virus and the the music business is rebooting because you got to think about it how are people getting into the top 40 right now when when basically radio is at a skeleton crew some radio stations are shut down so how are these spins being tracked what what is creating the top 40 right now when spins are what puts you there and everything that creates the spin is closed. Right. You know, so I how know, are you getting there? I know one, <laughs> time, one time I had the idea, you know, as we were just talking about, you know, top 40 and everything like that, as you just mentioned, I had the idea one time before I'm like, you know what, with us being, you know, a platform or whatever, and then working with other platforms, why can't we create our own top 40 with 
you know, independent artists, like the artists that we have that come across our platform, it wouldn't really be tangible at this moment because like it's not being reported to say a billboard or anything like that. But like that, that was that was the idea that I had was like, you know what, why can't we just step away from what's current and build something from scratch, build something from the you ground, could. You, know? you really could. The thing the and see the only problem is remember when everybody was dropping their their, their lists like last year when oh, everybody yeah, was dropping their um yeah. yeah when they was dropping their top tens or top twenties or what whatever artists once you made your charts and said this is now the independent charts that would just give somebody else who wants to bite off you the idea yeah, to do yeah. an independent chart and then somebody else would come up with their independent charts because you know why every independent platform owner knows a rapper yeah. or knows a few rappers right and they would want their homies at the top of that chart and their homies would want them to put them at the top of their chart and they would challenge their loyalty if they didn't and so you would have before you know it you and you you and a, a legitimate amount of people would create your own independent charts within you and your system and then they out of nowhere you know <laughs> 60 other platforms would do the same exact thing and then each chart would lose its uh validity so that's why having the billboard unfortunately is the best plan because it's already tried and true and it's already t it's turn tested right. and it's it's official that the problem is how do we change billboard right. right i think that's the i think that's the better way to put it because a lot of people that scream like you know real hip-hop these days they grew up listening to uh, Busta Rhymes and Wu-Tang and like, you know what I'm saying? They grew up listening to what they call real hip-hop. Even if you older, Run DMC, Rakim, like, you know, these people, what the real hip-hop people think is that like Rakim never wanted to sell out or like Busta Rhymes. Never, what are you talking like, and, and then it's hard to get through to those people because it's like Wu-Tang wanted to be number one on Billboard. Like they wanted to by definition, sell out and selling out, by the way, is not a bad thing because the way it's defined to me is success. Right. We've been conditioned as hip hop fans that like lyrics and bars to call selling out success. And that's just programmed by the devils, man. Mm -hmm. That's reverse programming down from the devils at the top of the music industry. Like, Hey, you can have your little real hip hop, and then that won't mean nothing. And we can still control what we control over here. Like, you know what I mean? But if you really, if you really rhyme in, then most likely you got respect for some of these older groups. Well, those older groups wanted to be sellouts by right. definition, by definition, not sellouts to the point where they lost their morals and all. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about by definition, they wanted to be successful. They wanted to be at the top of the music charts they want to be on top of billboard and naturally of course so did i because you want success and i feel like we have lost the ability as people to champion hip-hop to really champion success right. we've been programmed to not think that success is actually success and it pisses me off that we have these people that like you know man when i used to perform years mm -hmm. ago I, and this goes back to CDs and shit, man. When when I used to perform, I'd be up on stage and motherfuckers would be trying to hand me their CD while I'm on stage. Mm. 
they never shut up and just fucking watched the person that's actually doing it in front of them up on the stage with the microphone. Like, you know what I mean? And those people now, like those people then are the same people now that are hashtagging real hip hop all over the place. <laughs> it's a dysfunctional group. It's a dysfunctional. It's a, it's a listen to me, listen to me. But then they, 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 they preach how inclusive that they are and how they want to revitalize hip hop and how they want to preserve the fucking culture, but they don't listen to anyone else. Yeah. They'll listen to the people they grew up listening to, right? They'll listen to everybody that's got a blue check mark. They'll listen to any lyricist that they grew up listening to. But aside from that, they got their homeboys and they got their own shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucked up had, system. I remember we had that situation a while ago where, you know, we was dealing with the quote unquote, real hip hop crowd, you know what I'm saying? Like those people are more toxic, so to speak, than yeah. like regular fans. We are the average fan at that because like you said, that's all they listen to is like, they don't give an ear to what's out there. They just want to live in yesteryear. They want to live back in the eighties, the nineties. And it's yeah. okay to preserve the culture. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is also open your ears to the real hip hop that you hear in this current generation. Like you got, artists out here you listen to my show you you hear good artists you know what i'm saying right. like it's, it's not like you want to listen to me and you hear a bunch of watered down bullshit that you already hearing on the internet i mean hearing on you know fm or anything like that you're going to hear real artists and stuff like that but at the same time you people are not giving a chance to these people out here that are actually doing it so that's why a lot of the quote unquote real hip hop of today's generation gets swept under the rug because everybody's too busy only rocking with what they know. Like even what you see now with radio and stuff like that. Only people want to go to what's popular. What got the the biggest name behind it? Like Rock the Bells. Everybody wants to be behind Rock the Bells or everybody wants to be behind the Breakfast Club because of the name value and the people that's behind it. But you got quality platforms like myself and not to keep talking about me but you got quality platforms like myself like dj kawan and other platforms that spread out you know what i mean you got no filter radio you got uh uh voice of the people radio you got a whole lot of different platforms out there that play good shit but people don't want to give them a chance people don't give other or new stuff a chance because they're so stuck and programmed into what they know already and that's another part of the problem that i can say for a fact is slowing a lot of progression down because people are so programmed to only fuck with what they know. Yep. And they won't listen to anything. They won't even listen to a differing opinion that much. Yeah, That's another reason why. I mean, I used to get a lot of fan mail when I did the Beat Goes In. The Beat Goes In was all about the music business, right? Yeah. The podcast I do now is about everything. I'll throw in the music business. I'll talk about the world. I'll talk about whatever. But when I was just doing the Beat Goes In, on Kawan's show, mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? I, and it was like a mixed bag, man. I would have people like, yo, salute, man. You really dropping gems, like, you know what I mean? And I've been getting a lot of those fans that want me to still drop uh, some shit about the music business now. And I appreciate y'all. I really do. I appreciate the people who appreciated what I was doing, right? Mm -hmm. to, to, to kick some game about the actual music industry and the, and, and the business. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, like, it's just people are shut down for the most part. People are shut down. They don't even want to like, you know, I did a, I did a whole fucking segment about how you're really not independent and people just, instead of opening up their mind and being like, yo, that's true. You know what? I take that back. 
because I apologize. I forget the name of the artist, but Kawan actually played him on the mixtape show. And he told me while he was on the show, Kawan was texting me like, yo, the dude that I'm playing right now actually heard your segment and made his own website. And he exclusively streams from his website because he heard what you were saying about yeah. um, streaming and Spotify and Apple and all of that and fractions of pennies and everything else. And he said that he exclusively streams through his website now and doesn't even fuck with the streaming platforms because he's trying to create his own brand. Which makes and I said, sense. yeah, and I said, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's I actually appreciated when Kawan had told me that I was like, yo, man, word. You know what I mean? That's a, that's why I did that. That's why I was speaking on the business like that because I want to affect change. Uh, and if every artist did that and considered themselves as a brand, we would be in a whole different place. We would force the hand of the top of the business to change. And they would because they want money. You know, and that's what I was like... That's, I'm, that's, one, that's one of the reasons why I wish that very first um, interview that we did I didn't fuck up and not recorded that night because yo, like it had a lot of the same stuff what we're talking about right now. It had a lot yeah. of the same stuff in there now. It's, it's crazy how it's coming full circle and it's all coming back to the top now because I had that same view. Like I'm like, listen, like why, you know, go over here to these streaming platforms and stuff like that when you can build your own outlet and have people come here exclusively instead of going to check for you on SoundCloud, checking for you on Spotify and checking exactly. for you on Hawkshare and all these other different platforms. Why not just, you know, put the, the time, the effort and the money into it, create your own, you know, site and do your own streaming from there. You know what I'm saying? Like it makes more sense to me to do it that way because now you're taking the entrepreneurship of it. You know what I'm saying? And the biggest part is, what that showed me was effort. Yeah. And it showed me that, and what Kawan told me that this artist did was went forward and made sure that his music was, he had all the copyrights and he was registered with broadcast data systems and media base. And he went and, 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 and registered with BMI for publishing and everything. And then went and built his own platform. Now that's what I'm talking about. Right. You take the business seriously. That requires effort. The problem is most of the people want instant gratification and they don't end up. They want to just put it up. They want to be able to say this sentence. My music is available on all platforms. Yeah, like that. Loses and every time I want to smack motherfuckers when they say <laughs> that, man. Yeah, that loses. <laughs> that loses to me that 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 saying that your music is available everywhere to me. That kind of depreciates the value of it. Like exactly. I took a I took a page from you when you told me about you know be careful about trying to spread my um platform to a whole lot of other different networks and stuff like that because like now you just kind of like is depreciating the actual real value of what I have where you know if people can come over here and exclusively listen to it here then it's gonna bring more traffic to that particular network and then it helps everybody as a whole and it helps with you know, getting people's attention, then now it attracts the attention of, say, people that want to come to that particular network and they want to, you know, pay for ad space and all of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I was just talking to Kawan earlier today, and me and him was talking about how, like, you know, it used to be where if you was an artist, you would come up with your label and you would 
Like, remember how loyal rappers were in the 90s and the early two, 2000s around then mm-hmm. to their label? Like, they couldn't go four bars without saying their label, yeah. right? It was always like, they was like Redman, Def Jam, right? Like, yeah. Def Squad. Like, they would, it was always like, you know, they would promote the label that they were on and the label would promote them. Right. And it was the same thing with producers and artists. It was a synergy, like Alchemist with Mob Deep. And like, it was just a synergy that even in FM radio, you would have a a radio station and then you would have a host that's synonymous with that radio station. Mm -hmm. And the host would build up the station and the station would build up the host. And I said, now with independent networks, I think that we should take that same approach where if you have a content creator like myself or like you or like anybody else, like, you know what I mean? That does network. Like, that's why I say NGI radio Mm -hmm. as many times as I possibly can. Right. If you go to my bio, it's NGI radio. If, if you go to one of my art, like one of my pictures from my podcast is NGI radio. Mm -hmm. Right. And then even in my podcast, I say it because I know that I'm going to be streaming elsewhere with my podcast. So I want to bring attention to NGI radio. And then Kawan on his show will say, yo, stay, stay tuned for the homie. He, he, his podcast is right after the show. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And we build each other up. Like, you know what I mean? We build each other up and the loyalty within the network itself. The network isn't just the, the physical um, business license of the entity itself. It's mm-hmm. the network of people, the network of creators. Like you appreciate the people who do the most right for mm-hmm. you and, and, and like, you know, efficiently. Yeah. And then, and and then it's, that's the way that we can really grow as brands instead of like, you know, cause there's no reason that NGI radio, man, NGI radio is better than iHeartRadio mm. by far, by far. There's no reason why something like that can't be like the number one network yeah. at all. I agree. There's no reason. Especially with all of the, you know, I can say like all of the different original content that's on the platform as well, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got a lot of original content, you know what I'm saying? Not only with the two of us, but you also got other shows on there as well. You got Kwan on there. You got DJ MJAD. You know, you got right. the Audacity Girls. You got the Ryan Show. You got a couple of other different uh, platforms that are featured on NGI Radio that have good enough quality to help boost NGI Radio to being that number one online station. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. I definitely see it. Yeah. And the only thing, the only thing stopping that is people's perception, people's perception. And that's why I'm constantly trying to battle that. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm trying. And sometimes I go about it wrong, man. Some, and, and, you know, to those people that took my shit wrong, sometimes, man, I do apologize a little bit because I do come up to an 11 on some of my segments and some of my podcasts, but I noticed I can't talk about the music business without being at a fucking nine, at least because I'm, I mean, there's no way, there's no way to pour sugar on it and try to say, you know, something other than the fact that you're passionate about it. And there's nothing wrong about being passionate about something that you love and something that, you know, you dedicated so much of your life to. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of people, they just don't understand that, I, like, you know, 
how much time I put into this yeah. fucking business, man, and how much I wouldn't say regret, but how much uh, like you know lessons. You only and like I hate to sound like that fucking Eminem song, like you only get one chance and all that shit. Like I hate to I always feel like I'm approaching sounding like that goddamn song when I say this like but <laughs> like but you really only do get like one chance to make it fucking to make the the business is cold man once you start making mistakes you you might get two you might get two it, it, lessons learned and then past that you either signed a bad contract you either like <laughs> like you know what I mean there's, there's, there's a lot going on there like, you know what I mean? It, it, you're going to fuck up. If you made more than two mistakes, you probably, if you do end up making it somewhere, you probably already got tied up in a bad contract. Right. And, and, and that's the problem, man. That's that like, people don't understand a lot of these fucking artists that they listen to growing up, didn't even write their own music and shit, man. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. The amount of bullshit that people believe. Cause like, yeah. it's, it, and, and they, They'll die defending shit they don't know about. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll have arguments with people that have no idea. Like, they're just fans, and they tell me, you're wrong. Like, they write their own shit. I'm like, how do, so how do you know? Right. Well, because, because what? Because you really believe what they say? Because that's <laughs> the only shit you're going by. Right. <laughs> like, I have, like, I have real tangible experience in the fucking business. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I know how it works. Not only that, but because I fucking wrote for somebody who, um, is widely recognized as a lyricist and, and, and wish I could say more, but I have a fucking NDA. So like, you know, there's, there's another person that was on that song that can go diamond at any time he wants. Now I know that person didn't write this song either because I saw the other writer mm. for that person, right? And then that got me asking questions about everything else right. at a young age. That got me asking questions about like some of these other legends that we consider legends. That's why you don't see me like you know. I hate to put it this way, but you don't see me like blowing motherfuckers when it comes to like legends and shit like that. I respect those that came before me and paved the way and like you know the the forefathers of hip hop and everything I man yeah. I respect all of that like you know what I mean nothing but love but res I respect what they did mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest about what they did you know what I mean and it's not just hip hop it's rock music country you name the fucking genre right. you go down the fucking line most people don't write their own music yeah there's very few very, very, very few. You see like, a lot you know of that I mean? now. Like a lot of people don't realize that there a lot of your even your current hip hop stars, so to speak, they don't write their own music. You know what I'm saying? Like me having been in the space where I was trying to be an artist, like that was one of the biggest things I always prided myself on is writing my own stuff because I like I can right. never feel proud of myself if I wasn't make it, but I know I didn't make it on my own merit. You know what I'm saying? I didn't make it on my own pen, but you got a lot of people out there that are, you know, sleeping with their eyes wide shut. You know what I'm saying? Like they think yeah. that this, this particular artist wrote their own lyrics, but you got, ain't got all the proof in the world, but they just don't want to believe it. It kind of brings me back to, um, a saying that was on the movie men in black from Tommy Lee Jones. Where he's like, there's always, 
something wrong just to, you know, keep it short. He said there's always something wrong, but the only way people get on with their happy lives is if they don't know about it. And I guess that applies with what you see now is people get along with their own lives by not knowing about these people that don't write their own lyrics. Because if they find out that this person doesn't write their own music, then they're going to look at them a little bit differently. And then the whole narrative about this person being one of the right. greatest lyricists. And they, see, and that's, like a, that. that's the thing I want to change. Don't look at them differently. Yeah. You still like the music. There's nothing wrong with liking the music, yeah. Yeah, like I, I, that's the narrative I want. I want to get the truth out that the motherfuckers really ain't write their own shit. But then I also want to add a caveat. Yeah. You don't gotta stop liking them. Yeah. You can still like the music. You can still like all the songs you used to like. You you can still respect the artist because at the end of the day, that artist went out and they performed that song over and over and over again, and they got you to like it. Their cadence, their their the way that they structured the song and everything else. Like, you know what I mean? They might got a writer, but they had to structure the song and, and do the cadence the way that they wanted it and everything else. You can mm -hmm. still like the artist. It don't mean you don't got to like the artist, but at the end of the day, man, we got to kill some of these fucking myths. Yeah. It's one thing to be a legend, but it's another thing to be a myth. And yeah. I'm a myth buster. Yeah. I'm a myth buster when it comes to this motherfucking business, man. I'm tired of like, you know, this, this outrageous fucking penis worship when it comes to some of these motherfuckers, <laughs> man, and the business is outrageous. It's yeah, crazy, like it is, like you know, and that that's just the shit that gets me kind of like you know at an eleven when motherfuckers start like disagreeing. I'm like, yo, you can't tell me nothing, man. I, I was there, right. like you know what I mean. Like, imagine you, you, Emilio Edbar, right? You coming into me. I'm a I'm a label man. I'm fast talking Jimmy. So you come in and you sit down and you got the project right there. I'm playing it. And I'm like, that sounds good. So good job, Emilio. Yeah, I really like the songs. And you're like, you listen to like 20 seconds. Yeah, 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 I got it. Um, but I think that people would like to hear your voice like more up tempo. And like another thing is like, I think people would want to like, you know, nowadays people are dancing. And so you're not funny enough. I like, don't get me wrong, Emilio. You have lots of talent, but you're not dancing. People aren't dancing. They're not laughing. When Like, I'm not laughing when I hear it. And you're like, again, you heard 20 seconds, man. Like, this is, I put my heart and soul into this fucking song. I, yeah, I got it. Heart, soul. Yeah, yeah, put the heart and soul. That's a good name for a song, heart and soul. Hey, do we have a song that's already written called heart and soul? Yeah. Okay, you'll perform the song heart and soul. It's like, what? Motherfucker, I write my own no. shit. I've been here <laughs> two minutes and you already changed my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> I never sat down with no record labels or no executives or anything like that. But I remember one time I had an experience where um, a, a friend of mine, he actually heard me like when one night we was over there at crib, you know, having a little good time. Then, you know, he puts on um, he puts on Last Days by Onyx, the, the, the instrumental. So I hear that and I just start spazzing. Oh, the top of the head just starts spazzing, like freestyling and everything. He's like, yo, I want to go uh, take you to go meet my mans or whatever. You know, he got his own, you know, studio. He got a nice little setup and everything like that. And he's, you know, looking for young, talented artists. And, you know, he wants to try to build a label and all this stuff. So, like, me being young at that time and me trying to actively try to pursue a career, I'm like, you know what, bet. Like, you know, let's go see what's up with it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he takes me to go see his mans, like, a couple of days later. And it's like that same thing you just said is the same thing. Like, yeah, you got a lot of different talent. You know, you, I definitely like what you got and all this, that, and the third. But I need you to do this. Mm -hmm. I need you to do that. I want you to 
have this particular image. I want to create this kind of way. And I, I'm sitting there listening to him. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I hear you. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. That, uh, okay, cool. And then I'm sitting there, sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, yo, this motherfucker's really trying to like get over on me. <laughs> I'm like, yo, yeah. he's really trying to get over on me. I'm like, yo, my man's just sitting there, like he's soaking it all up, like yeah, like nah, 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 and all this shit. And I'm like, yo, my man, like, what the fuck was that? Like at the end of the day, it's not like your man is trying to talk me around, talk circles around me, thinking get me dizzy enough to then hit me over the head like a fucking whack a mole. And, and now you got me. Nah, it's not going to happen like that. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, they started and listening. That's how to it be. Yeah. I'm like, and then I told him, I'm like, yo, it's not like your man's trying to turn me into a fucking rock star more than a fucking artist. I'm like, that's not me. Yep. I'm like, I'm not trying to be nobody fucking rock star. I'm just trying to be what I do, put my music out there the way I want to put it out there, and then go from there. I want to be sitting there rapping over no fucking rock sounding. And you gotta shit. think, most of the people that we grew up listening to, they got they sat through a session like that, or many sessions like that, and they complied. Yeah. They complied and they went along with it because maybe their living situation was tough and they just wanted out or whatever the case might be. However, they ended up complying to that situation of changing everything about themselves, right? And going in there and doing that. Like, you know, some of them might have started out right now shit and then they just get in there and then they're not allowed to. Yeah. They sign the contract that they can't. Like, you know, it's just a lot of shit that goes along with that. And then when you look at it like that, like these motherfuckers and another thing that is a myth in the music business that I'll squash right now. Like I said, myth buster. Another thing is, is that these artists that we grew up listening to legends, name them, name them. It doesn't matter who you name right now. They don't own their own music. Mm -hmm. Now, Ooh, what I mean yeah, by that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I mean by that is they might own their music that they make now, but the music that made you like them, they don't own. Right. Do you know how frustrating it is to these people? Because I've talked to them about it. Like, you know, I've actually talked to them about it. I smoked the L with Pharrell before, mm -hmm. and he talked to me about how frustrating this shit was. Yeah. And, like, I could just, I'm not the type to sit here and name drop. I could name drop a lot more than that. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Game, list goes on. I, I could sit here and go on and on. But <clears throat> it's frustrating to these artists when the audience always wants them to play the classics. Yeah. Like, you know, and because they don't own the classics, they had to go through the business of not owning. They signed bad record deals and they only own mechanical royalties to their music. They don't own the royalties that makes you get residuals. They don't own residuals. So if you hear um, like, you know, I don't want to call out specific artists, man. But if you hear anybody that you grew up listening to one of their famous songs in a movie, or in a TV show or film, whatever, that generates money. They don't see that money off of that song the label does. Whatever label they were on, even it, it probably got absorbed like into like Warner Music or something, even if it was Loud Records or something like that, it probably got absorbed into one of these like, you know, majors that's out right now. So that major label that absorbed the previous label gets paid for that song being in TV and film. That artist does not get paid for that. That artist doesn't get paid for shit except going on stage and performing. Right. And that, so they're allowed to perform the song that they made. Like DMX can go up and perform all the hits that we love them for, right? Yeah. And, but 
that's all he can do. Now, when he drops a new album, what do people do? They go, yeah, yeah, but what about flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, right? That's what they (laughs) want to hear. It's crazy because, like, I had a conversation with a few people, and I've also even went to social media and I asked, because, like, I made the suggestion. I even, like, uh, I went, I tagged them and everything like that, you know, the whole first series and everything that's going on. I'm like, you know what? It's cool. You're celebrating the catalog of this particular artist. That's okay. These are the, the the joints that for the majority of the point, I mean, for the majority of it, like we grew up on these records. You know what I'm saying? These are the stuff that, you know, we know and we love these artists for. That's cool. I'm like, that's kind of like a one-sided affair though, because you putting these artists against another kind of artist that their styles don't match up well enough to consider it a versus. The only thing you're doing is really like just celebrating each other's catalog. I'm like, you really want to make it a versus or you really want to make it like a tangible battle. Why don't you make it a battle where they're going with their unreleased music? Like the joints that wasn't on the albums that you didn't hear on mixtapes or anything like that. They're just sitting in the vault. Like, and I mean, why not do it that way? Now it gives us something else to really look forward to. And I see that with the last one they had, like they there was people that were saying like there was um some songs that they heard that they never heard from these artists before. I don't know if they maybe versus did take a, a bit of a suggestion and say, you know, make sure you include a couple of uh unreleased joints or whatever. And if they did, cool. I'm like, that would be a better a much better format to me than always having to pigeonhole these artists for the music that they're known for. Give them something that give the people that's watching something else but then again you know you got the uh the audience that only want to hear the songs that they know they don't want to give an uh an older artist a chance with new music or unreleased music so that's kind of like a two-edged sword to say you know yeah because they don't get paid for the old shit so when they release new shit because now all these older artists they're off their label deal right they're off their old major label deal Mm -hmm. so like, you know, they don't get paid for all of that music that the record execs, like, you know, yapped up. But the new music that they're putting out through maybe their own imprint or something, they're getting paid for that. They get all the publishing for that. And they're trying to make a living off of their name that they made years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for them to do because the audience comes to them and wants to hear the old shit and they're like damn it i can't make money on that but you know what they can't say they can't say i can't make money on that they can't say those words so i'm saying it for all of y'all i'm saying it for all of y'all right now because i know the business so for because what it would do is make them look away and it's all about image so like if an artist were to come out and say man i don't make any money on that then the audience would start questioning and it would affect their image. So when the audience comes and they listen to a few songs of the new shit and then they're like, yeah, but what about the old shit? They just kind of like, like, you know, they take a deep breath and then they go back and it's almost like tap dancing. They got to go back and do the older shit, which they don't really get paid for. Right. Like, you know, if you really want to support the people you grew up listening to, find out what they're doing now yeah. and support it. Listen to it, yeah. And, you know, you yeah. see a lot of these people now that we've grew up with, you see them starting to utilize platforms like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, years ago, 
like just you know speaking and just throwing a name out there just as an example not something that's a real thing but just as an example like years ago you wouldn't see like a a jay-z on a platform like this you know that somebody from yesteryear that had that high level of success coming down to a platform like this where now you're seeing the likes of like a fragile star uh christopher williams and people that had some kind of mainstream success you're seeing them coming to these particular platforms and stuff like that you know what i mean and it's, it's good for us platform wise but then also like for the listeners out there that may have never heard of this person before like they kind of looking like who the fuck is this like you know what i mean like it helps them but at the same time it does kind of still hurt them because those that recognize them they want to still hear like the the older joints like i had positive k on the show and everything like that everybody knows him for you know what's your man got to do with me or uh i'm not having it with uh mc light and everything like that nobody's really checking for his new stuff and the new stuff he got out is pretty hot you know what i'm saying like i told you before like you know him in new york city like positive k is from new york or whatever but for the first time i heard his new joint thinking about you and think about you is not even that new it came out 2018 or whatever you know what i'm saying so it's like it's crazy how they just get you know how they just get you know stuck with these particular records and people don't give them a chance with their new joints yeah that's the problem with the music business you're only as good as what the last part of the major like you know what we were talking about at the top of the um, like, you know, discussion, like how if we were to separate ourselves and try to make a new music business and all of that, the challenges with it, mm-hmm. this is part of that challenge. And they know that like these older artists, they experienced 20, 30, 40 years of this. So they get it. They understand how challenging it would be because they have a new song. Nobody will listen to. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they have a new song. Nobody will listen to is because the, the machine that pushed them, is what got everyone's attention right. before. And that's the problem. We need to affect the machine. We right. need to affect the machine. We need to change the way the machine operates because at the end of the day, the machine still wants to operate. Mm-hmm. So if you get into the mechanisms of the machine to change it, as long as the machine can operate at an optimal performance, they have no problem with you changing the morals of it. Really, yeah. they don't. Like it's in a very immoral business right now. Like there's very little morals. There's, there's, it's a cold business. I mean, some of the shit that I know about the business, I can't even say right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I can't even say out loud. It's too vulgar and shit. Like I can't even yeah. say it, but there's a lot of shit like, you know, so yeah, it's a very bad, immoral, cold business, but if enough people really band together and did what they needed to do, then we could change the mechanisms of it. But it would require, um, morals camaraderie teamwork yeah. you know what i mean really, and, and it's just not gonna happen like you said it's you pe- had to go down the list and check off the boxes in order to make that happen you know it would be a lot yeah the people that like and they know that man and, and these these older and especially now post virus like these artists can't go see <laughs> like so what's dmx gonna do I'm just bringing it to just just as an example. What's he gonna do? Are are people checking for his new shit on streaming? Like, are people like how's he getting money? Well, if like they, that if they kind they of thing. Up that Rough Riders Chronicles uh, series that they just had on BET, 
it 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 probably would help him in that aspect, but then again, it's like who knows? Because you know, with the, the and then it would just be like, has, like you know, what I'm saying, yeah. I mean, it would just it would just shine light on the older music, the older music, that, right? Yeah. That he can't go perform right now because everything's shut down. Right. So a lot of these artists, they have mechanical royalties that they can go perform. Like if you think that some of these rappers want to be on stage jumping around at 50 years old. They don't want to. Mm-hmm. They have to. They have to, or they have to get another job. Yeah. And that's the way it is. And yes, it's the people that we all grew up listening to. Like, they have to go jump around on stage at 50 years old because they don't own their own music. Yeah. People even as big as Nas, and I'm not speaking out of turn, he said this on Drink Champs not that long ago with Nori. Yeah. He said, I don't own my early catalog. Yeah. You know, he said, that. the one thing I would change is I would go on my masters. Yeah. Like, I remember him I saying mean, that, like, uh, he reached out to Prince to do a record with him and Prince wouldn't do it because Prince told him, like, to go on your masters and then come back and then we can do some work. Exactly. You know yup. And that's what I'm talking about. That's all I'm saying. And people idolize these people. They put them up on pedestals and all of this other shit. And it's like, yo, man, these people sign bad record deals. They don't own their own music. A lot of them didn't write their own music. Like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. That's why I have no pedestals for people, man. Yeah. Like, I have some respect or whatever. I've met a lot of them in person. Like, you know what I'm saying? And they're just people. At the end of the day, they're just people, man. They had they made mistakes like everybody else. They're just people when you talk to them. Now, the even, more, even more of the ill shit that I'm seeing now is you got some of these, like, older artists and producers that are actually selling the copyrights to their... You know, to, to their catalogs, I'm just like, damn. Like when I seen the the the, the article of RZA selling off half of his catalog and half of the Wu Tang catalog with the copyrights and even the writing credits and shit like that, I'm just like, damn, bro. Hold like, on, I got a I got a picture of this dickhead. Let me hold on. I took because I I was gonna speak on this on my fucking podcast and I forgot what this dickhead say to me. I took uh-huh. a screenshot. Okay, strong Rob on Twitter. I was talking about what you're talking about right now. Yeah. About how hypnosis, Merck Macchiatis, went and was buying up everybody's publishing and copyrights right now. Like, a lot of people. Like, and we're going to keep saying that. And this dude, strong Rob 12, shout out to you. He said, nah, that's what they want us to think. So we give up our power and stay home. Which I have no idea what the power? fuck that meant. <laughs> I, I I have no idea. But then he went on to say that they're losing um, interest. They're losing interest, and that's why they're selling it because they're getting out at a um uh like before. He thinks it works like the stock market. Basically, he thinks that the old music is losing interest, and they're getting out while they still can at a good rate. And he was like, they're, they're doing it willingly. And I'm like, okay, so here's here's the problem with everything he just said is the only true. And this is why I encourage people to know what the fuck you're talking about before you hit me up. And before you look stupid and email me, see how I get to an 11 when I talk about the music business. And I don't, I don't be meaning to, but 
like, you know, I encourage people to know what the fuck you're talking about before you hit somebody up that's been in and around the music business for 20 fucking years and you just have a SoundCloud track available. Like, relax, man. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's fucking, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, whether he was trying to speak metaphorically as far as like losing value, I'm like, how does music lose value? Like, it's not the goddamn stock market. So, like, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck dude was talking about because obviously he has no goddamn experience in the music business and probably never owned a copyright to any of his songs, never owned publishing, doesn't know what the fuck any of that even means. So what's happening right now with Merck Macchiatis and Hypnosis is they're buying up the publishing and the copyrights of older artists. Now, that goes back to everything and ties in with what I was just saying. The reason why these artists are giving up their catalogs right now mm -hmm. and their copyrights and their publishing is because they can't perform the songs anymore because all of the venues are shut down because of the virus. Now, when it comes to these um, artists, they have a certain way of living, right? They have mansions, some of them. They have like high-end, maybe even apartments. Let's just, let's just say they're living a modest life and they have yeah. a high-end apartment somewhere in, I don't know, Manhattan or whatever, right? They're, yeah. Or L.A. somewhere. Well, they're, they're uh, just, to, to describe modest in Manhattan, that doesn't even belong in the same yeah. sentence. Like, you better I mean say like Brooklyn like, or Queens or something like that. Yeah, but <laughs> what I mean is they might not even be, they might not be living in the Hamptons, right? Yeah. They might, they might have an apartment or whatever, like you know. But at the end of the day, like they have a certain lifestyle that they've become accustomed to because they're able to still go out and tour. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you don't even know a, an artist is touring. Like you don't even realize that an artist is out there going from venue to venue to venue. A lot of times they don't post it on their Instagram or their Twitter or whatever, mm -hmm. but they're out there performing these songs. And what that's doing is it's paying the fucking bills because what I just had went over about how these artists only own mechanical royalties, mm -hmm. that means they're only able to get paid off it by, um, by performing it. So, and a lot of these artists did not write their own music. And a lot of people listening are under the impression that they wrote their own music. And what this is going to do with Merck Macchiatis and Hypnosis buying up all of this shit is going to expose these artists who everyone thought wrote their own shit. Right. Because the writers are also facing an economic problem because there's not as many writing jobs for them right now the economy is bad for everyone in the music business and mm -hmm. when it starts affecting the writers and the producers that's when you have a problem yeah. that's when you have a real problem and that's why i say the music business is gone because when you get to the writers and the producers that's the backbone of the track yeah. like yeah the artist goes out there and they and, and they do their their thing but the writers and the, and, and the producers sometimes own the majority of the song mm -hmm. so that with the economic downturn and everything shifting in the music business, a lot of the songs that the writers owned, the royalties to, like these old songs that we keep talking about, they're not getting played on TV and film, right? Because TV and film isn't being made. Right. And a lot of these other things are shutting down and a lot of streaming platforms have stopped playing classics and are only playing current 
and so what they're doing is these writers are losing residuals. The writers the, and the producers, like No ID, mm-hmm. who sold off most of his catalog to Merc Macchiatis. So, like, you know, they're losing their ability to collect the residuals off of the song. So what's going on is the the artists are coming together with the producers and the writers. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look, if we just come together, what do we own from this song? And, okay, I own the mechanical royalty so I can perform it. You own the writing credits. You own the producing credits. What if we just sell all of this shit off and do a split? Right. And then the problem with this is it's bad enough when you sell your publishing off. That means that you can no longer collect certain kinds of residuals, even if it's a percentage. That means you can no longer collect the residuals that you were before. So that's bad enough if you if you sell off publishing. That's why it's such an important thing to keep. So when I start seeing publishing being sold, that's red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah. Now, what is... I mean, what is the end game touchdown two point fucking conversion is that these artists are now getting rid of their copyrights too? Yeah, that's, that's end game. That's crazy right there. Like I would never would have expected to see a headline or read an article saying that someone like RZA sold like, you know, half of his catalog or somebody like no ID who just you know, not into not in the distant past, just produced one of the dopest albums we've heard with that 444 with Jay-Z and everything like that. And you wouldn't expect to hear like these particular artists and these particular, you know, producers selling off their copyrights. Like even when I heard that, I had to hit you up like, yo, did you hear about this? Like, that's yeah. just crazy. <laughs> see, see, I was staying away from the music business news <laughs> and just... I was doing my best to try not to, it always calls me back, man. When you yeah. show me that, I did a deep dive and I'm like, cause when you showed me the article and was like, yo, do you know who this is? I'm like, yeah, man, that's Merck Macchiatis. Cause I know, like, I know about Merck, man. He's like a, he's, he, he's like a shark that swims around major labels and just waits yeah. for like, you know, for, for, economic hardships and, and certain artists to get into like some kind of scandal. So then nobody wants to book that artist for a while yeah. or they get into some, if they, let's say they get a sex tape out there or something and then they're considered bad for a while and nobody wants to fuck with them. Somebody like Merck would come around and be like, I'll buy your publishing. I'll buy your copyrights. Yeah. And then see, a lot of people are like, well, yo, Riz is at the top of his game. So why would he, like, why would he, someone like him sell to Merck? Like, what does Merck get out of it that RZA yeah. doesn't get out of it? And that's a valid question, but I can answer it. The reason why somebody like RZA would sell to somebody like Merck is because RZA can't open the same doors. Mm. And at the top of the business, you have the same people who all deal with each other. It's it's a very closed business at the top. Yeah. and. Somebody like Merck has made all of those right friends over the years. He's made, he can get into them rooms. Now, when you get into a certain pay structure, when you hit a certain amount of M's, that opens up certain doors. Now, RZA always ends up on the B side of any deal that mm-hmm. he's doing. Because if you remember right with the old Dirty Bastard situation with Rockefeller, Dane, and all of that, yeah. remember that look that he had when he walked out of the room? Yeah. It, yeah. 
he always ends up on the B side. Dame was a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Dame was like, oh, Dame was a gatekeeper. Above him is the industry devils. Like, you know what I'm saying? Above them are the industry devils. And I, I speak on who these people are in my podcast. Go and listen to it. Yeah. The industry devils at the very tippy top. The 1% at the top of the game. Somebody like Dane goes and reports to them. Somebody like Dane back in the day would go and take up all of the publishing and the royalties and everything else and bring it up to these devils. They got bosses. Like Rockefeller, the top of that was not Jay-Z and Dane. Mm-hmm. I hate to tell people. Like, you know, talk to Lior Cohen and yeah. see who really ran shit there. Like, so at the end of the day, like, man, there's always somebody at the top of everything. So RZA, somebody like him, who is the gatekeeper, RZA is a gatekeeper. He is mid-level. He is top tier, but he can't open the same doors and flip that royalties, flip those, uh, that, that publishing the same way, especially if you give up copyrights, which is what RZA did, which very much shocked me because that means you're cashing your last check. When you give up your copyrights, that means that you no longer own anything to that music. You know, you literally gave it all up. So a lot of these people who are signing over their copyrights and publishing say rest in peace to them because they're literally cashing their last music business check right now, which means that they're going to have to move from Manhattan or the Hamptons or LA or like, you know what I'm saying? They're going to have to go into like a one bedroom apartment in Jersey somewhere. Mm-hmm. If, if they lived in like NY, they're probably going to go over to Jersey. Like people are mass migrating out of LA right now too. Yeah. It's not just like, you know, so it's a lot of shit going on <clears throat> because of the virus that shut everything down. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's reverbing. It's a snowball going down a hill. Like, you know, and when it hits the artists, it hits the writers, it hits the producers. So like, you know, RZA got a certain bag from Merck. He got a certain level bag that he was satisfied with Mm -hmm. for the publishing and the copyrights from Merck. Now what Merck is going to go do that RZA couldn't do is go put that shit in Frosted Flakes commercials and shit. So we will probably hear how Frosted Flakes ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> you gonna come out here, you gonna see Tony the Tiger holding up the fucking Woo W and shit like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yup. Oh, That's man. what I'm talking about. How like Merck can flip the publishing and the rights and the royalties more than somebody like Ariza because Ariza can get it on Showtime, right? Ariza mm-hmm. can get the documentary on Show Showtime. Like you know, Merck can get it in Disney. Yeah. Like, like it's different. There's levels to this thing. Yeah. So that's why somebody like RZA takes a certain amount of a bag and then gives it to hypnosis and, 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 and Merck Macchiatis and these devils that go around buying up publishing and shit, because now they can go flip it for double and triple and see Merck didn't do no work except just buy it. RZA and the Wu they did all the work by popularizing that music, yeah. right? And those beats and those lyrics and that feel behind it, right? Merck had nothing to do with that. All Merck does is come with his devil money and buy it up, and then he can go put it in different places that they couldn't do. And, and I mean, quadruple, and that's probably even too low, the money that, that RZA would have been able to make on yeah. that. 
So it sucks, man. It sucks to see this shit happening because you can literally say a lot of your favorite rappers and artists and producers. And I mean, it ain't just rappers. Let me be clear. Elton John sold his catalog. Lady Gaga sold her catalog. Who else? Bon Jovi. A lot of prominent names, yeah. Yeah, Bon Jovi. uh, Blondie. Yeah. I mean, shit. Want to talk about a rapture? I'm, okay, dog, dog, I'm telling you, like it's 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 no game now, man. Like it, the the business is over. Like yeah. we could just take that KRS song and just it, take <laughs> the business the over. over that, right? <laughs> that's what it is, man. It's, the business, it's over, man. It's done. Like it's rest in peace because a lot of this shit that I see when you showed me that I did a deep dive into what's really going on right now. And I was like, man, fuck, I got to talk about the music business again. Yeah. <laughs> Cause a lot of people was getting it all fucked up. They didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Like this dickhead who wanted to tweet me about how interest is whatever. Shut the fuck up. If you don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> shut up, man. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I own copyrights and publishing fam. Like, you know what I'm saying? I signed over checks to talent agencies and shit. Yeah. Like, I actually sat down with labels and, like, you know what I'm saying? Damn. Shit is, like, it, <laughs> it's, but it's, it, it's bothersome when I see this shit happening, fam. It's, it's an end to an era. Yeah. Like, now, one more thing that you had, you know, mentioned in your recent podcast. You, re- you mentioned, you know, Joe Biden. And the situation that he got mm-hmm. going on over there at Spotify and the the impact that the Joe Rogan deal has done with the content creation game and the way that Spotify is, you know, they threw some testers out in the market just to see how the podcast market is. And now they're trying to do what they're doing now. You know, recently. So you I know, got some gravy on that. Oh, yeah. I actually got some. Gravy, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking to Kawan about this earlier. Uh, because I don't want to say, I don't know if he wants me to say this. No, he said it on Instagram. Yeah. So he got picked up by iHeart. Right. Yeah. So I asked him and I didn't know that, but, um, I asked him, I was like, yo, has, uh, Gimlet or Parcast or iHeart hit you up recently? And he was like, yeah, for the interviews that I do. And I was like, I knew it because I got some inside info on really what's going on. So I'm going to just put the bed real quick. If mm-hmm. anybody believes anything they see in mainstream media or just in general, what like, so if you believe Drake was independent, you're stupid. Just like, you know what I mean? You're an average fan. If you actually believe that Drake was independent, he's not. So headlines, that's gone. I talked about that in my previous podcast. So if you believe right now that Charlemagne the God and Joe, and Joe Budden are actually in some type of argument, mm-hmm. they're not. What they're doing is they're benefiting each other. Yeah, pretty much. Because Charlemagne the God signed all kinds of crazy contracts his whole life and was never able to get out of these contracts because he was always signing long-term contracts. And Breakfast Club is up in December, their contract. So he never broke out of signing corporate contracts. It was always iHeartRadio, MTV, this, that. He never... I mean, just in 2019, he made his own YouTube channel, right? So, but what he did do was create a lot of mainstream appeal. So a lot of people know who Charlemagne the God is, but he's an idiot. I'll say that right now, worked in broadcasting. We know the guy, he's a fucking idiot. 
<clears throat> so like what he did was he never took that independence that he created really by creating his own brand and then made something like me and you know what the brilliant idiots is, but yeah. not that many people do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shout like, out to it, Andrew Trolls. <laughs> Right. It's not as big as the Breakfast Club. Right. And with his name attached to it, it should be. But he never knew how to do that. Right. Now, what he does bring is the mainstream appeal. What Joe Budden has always done, because he's got fucked over in record contracts with the music business. So what he's always had to do since Pump It Up, when he got fucked with that deal, was make business independently. Yeah. In the music business, he always had to work independently and create a name for himself independently. So what Joe Budden brings independently is good. And what Charlemagne brings mainstream wise is good. So what they're doing right now is they're play fighting. And I guarantee you, I always bat a thousand. They're going to start making content soon together because Joe Budden's Spotify deal is up in a couple, like in a like, week in a or so. Of days, yeah. Yeah, a couple of, like his his Spotify deal is up, and Charlemagne's deal is about to be up. So what they're doing is they're play fighting with each other, and they're they're acting like they're fighting. They're not. They're good friends. They've been to each other's house. They visit with each other. They've known each other years. They're very good friends. Don't believe the bullshit. It's a pub stunt, but it's a brilliant one because you know Charlemagne brings the mainstream shit. Joe Budden brings the indie shit, but they're both big at what they do. Right. So they're going to start doing con content together and helping each other out post virus, which is yeah. really like interesting. But like what you were saying, so I just had to put that shit to bed because me and uh, Kawan was talking about that shit earlier. So that fits in with the Spotify shit. What Spotify did that Joe Budden was kind of fucked up. Spotify gave him a few M's to uh, host his podcast. Now, Joe Budden did the smart thing because he learned because he signed bad record deals before and shout out to Joe for that. Now, you know me, I give Joe Budden shit, right. For, mm -hmm. for what he does currently. I, I don't like his podcast. I don't like a lot of shit that Joe Budden does currently, but he's top five lyricist of my generation. In my opinion, mm -hmm. I always liked his music, but when it comes to what he's doing now, I don't really agree with it because he's always kind of deceptive with what he's doing and he's always kind of doing pub stunts and different things and it's aggravating. Yeah. But so he did the smart thing and retained control, creative control over his podcast and Spotify was just going to benefit from the audience that Joe could bring in. Right. So Joe had a podcast on YouTube and you know, everywhere else, Apple prior to that. And he had an audience that he could organically bring over to Spotify. Now, Apple was the main place that you had podcasting before, right? Apple right. was the main place that hosted podcasting. Spotify wanted to dip their toe in it to see analytics wise, if it could benefit them. When they got Joe, Joe Budden over, they saw that it was lucrative and they were like, Oh shit. And midway in, they tried to approach him and say, hey, let's get you involved. And, and they kept trying to throw him another deal. And Joe would just say, no, fuck off, fuck off. We're going to let this contract run out. Like, we both did each other a favor right now. I see you trying to fuck me with some new deals. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. I got you into the door with podcasting. Now, meanwhile, what they did when they saw the benefit of what Joe Budden did for podcasting, with Spotify, they went and acquired Gimlet, and they also acquired Parcast, mm. which were two media brands, like they're media firms that did a lot of hosting with podcasting and curating and shit. Uh -huh. And they're, I mean, 
million dollar brands, like multi, multi million dollar brands to bring them on means that you're trying to now be in the podcast game. That means right. you just bought up the two biggest podcasting firms that there are. So upon acquiring Joe Budden, they also acquired Gimlet and Parcast, mm -hmm. which means now we're in business for podcasting. And shortly after that, they went and they offered Joe Rogan something because Joe Budden wasn't biting and all that. They offered Joe Rogan, who has not even arguably, unfortunately, he has the biggest podcast that there is numbers wise. Yeah. Numbers don't lie. I don't like his podcast. It just is what it is. Joe Rogan has the biggest podcast. So Spotify went over, got Joe Rogan, said peace to Joe Budden. And they now have Par Parcast and Gimlet to help them with the whole distribution nature of it and, and you know, setting up the video part of Spotify with the podcasting and the content creation part of it and all of that. But Joe Budden had a lot to do with that. Now, here's a little, um, here's, here's, here's some gravy. So what's happening right now is, and I'll say it, iHeartRadio is done. Mm. iHeartMedia is still kind of existing. Like iHeartMedia sort of absorbed iHeartRadio. So iHeartMedia is trying to sell. I'm just going to throw it out there. They're trying to sell. They're not trying to tell people. Now you know. So mm. iHeart is trying to sell. I, they're trying to get off their intellectual properties, right? Now, what, and, and this is true to, you would know the answer to this. What's the most valuable demo? The most valuable demo. This is a good question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my my mind's black people. All right. Okay. What they put quotes around and say urban. Oh, hold on, hold so, on, hold on. You said demo. I'm thinking about like demos, like 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 a mixtape demo. No, 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 no. Like, my okay, bad. I should have phrased it different. Okay. Like target yeah. demo. Okay, demographic. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So like the urban, what they say, which is code word for black audience, um, they, iHeartRadio needs to retain their most valuable demographic. It really is. It's everybody's most valuable. I can tell you that from broadcasting experience. It's yeah. everybody's most valuable demographic, especially black women. Just so you know, a lot of people that they have ads are targeted to the two black people, two black women, that's, that's what it is. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they need to keep that target demo if they're going to go and sell. Now, what happened with Joe Budden leaving is they're losing that. What happened with Joe Rogan being part of it is, yeah, they're soaring to the top, but they lost a very valuable demo because mm -hmm. a lot of black folks don't fuck with Joe Rogan. And I get it. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. even, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not my bag. But like, you know, so they're, they lost a, a, a chunk of their target demo. Now they're getting it back. They're going to do all kinds of other ways to get it back and everything. Meanwhile, when iHeart is going to lose Breakfast Club, they're going to lose all of that. What are they losing? Mm. Their target demo, right. right? So they have to bring something to the table when they're trying to sell. They're going to try to sell to Spotify. So because Gimlet sold, Parcast sold, iHeartMedia is going to try to either do a 50-50 or they're just going to try to sell to Spotify. When that happens, they need to bring a target demo with them that's appealing to Spotify. So just put it to you like this. 
Bradley and Chad with the podcast didn't get hit up by iHeart recently to host their content. Mm. <laughs> they knew what they was doing. That's why I hit Kawan up like, yo, did you get hit up recently by, like, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people I know did. Mm. And what they're trying to do is, like, get people excited about the fact that iHeart hit them up because that's a big name, right? You see, yeah. Like, if you get hit up that iHeart wants to host your podcast, like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, shit, right? It's like they it's a big name associated with, with your brand. Yeah. What I told them, I said, yo, I said, watch for the fuck shit. See if they start to run ads on your content and then hold them accountable. If they do, if they start to run ads on your content that you didn't approve of, get them. That's one thing and, Joe Biden was just addressing in his, um, recent episode where he was addressing the whole Charlemagne situation and he was saying like, you know, they can't run ads unless he approves it on right. his platform. You know what I mean? Now see what, what iHeart's doing right now with the okie doke is they're hitting up urban based platforms and trying to get them onto their podcasting network. So they bring in what the target demo so they can go and sell. And say, listen, we have the target demo now, right? Mm -hmm. Especially because radio is down, stations are closed, this and that. They need to bring in the target demo digitally. And so they're trying to get uh, their target demo excited at the fact that they're hitting them up in the first place. Like they're, they're, they're banking on content creators getting excited. Like, oh shit, iHeart wants to host my shit. Yeah, damn right. And then they go on there and they, they feel excited about the fact that iHeart hit, hit them. But really, it's an analytics grab. Mm-hmm. And they might just start running ads on your shit and disrespecting you. That's one thing. The other thing they, they're going to do is just use you as an analytic, as a, as a stat. There's no reason why. You always have to wonder if a corporation seems to be doing something nice or productive, you always have to go, hmm, why? Mm-hmm. Especially in this business. So, like, you know, there's there's no good things ever done. There's no favors, right? There's no, like, hey, you guys are doing a good job. You want to come on board? There's no shit like that going on. So it's always why. What is the thing? And I just said why. It's an analytics graph. So they're trying to get a lot of uh, the urban audience back, and they're, they're trying to bring that over as a bargaining chip to sell. Mm. So there you go. That's what's happening with the whole content game. That sold up Spotify, Gimlet, Parcast, and iHeart right there. You know. It's crazy how the way things are forming, man. Like how things are just yeah. starting to take shape and the way like this whole situation, not only with this pandemic, but everything that's just going on within the music business as a whole right now. It's just remember we always be talking about, you know, we've been talking about recently, like this is the big reset. Like it's looking that way right now also with the music business. That's why I was like, you know, with the whole thing with the Drake situation and the Joe Rogan situation, wanted to see what kind of effect it would have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, was and it, was a, it was a bit of a, I was optimistic for like a split second, mm-hmm. but I knew in my heart of hearts, man, like, you know, it's a safe bet to be pessimistic in this business. Yeah. It's, it's always, it's always a safe bet to be a pessimist, man. And it's just because I've just, I know the business too well. I knew that the devils was going to do some shit to, you know, try to wrap it up. That's what they're doing. Yeah. It sucks, but that's what they're doing. Man. We got to look forward to 
about 10 to 15 years before this shit really gets back to a productive place for, you know, anybody to be able to work their way up independently within that business if we stay on this course. Right. Unless we take action. Like, unless we look at the situation for what it is right now and then stop telling ourselves that we're either going to create a new business or that we don't care what's going on with the mainstream because we're over here doing this. Mm. We're never going to change anything that way. What we need to do is say, okay, like there needs to be more people that just flat out understand the business, right? There needs to be more people that call themselves artists or platforms or whatever the case is, producers, even them to, to understand the actual music business yeah, because that would be very helpful because then we could actually do a from the bottom to the top change. That's the only way it's going to happen, man. That's really the only way it's going to happen. And, 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 it, and it can't happen when I say what's going on with fucking Merck Macchiatis and hypnosis. And then dickheads hit me up talking about they're selling it because the interest rates, like what are you talking about? <laughs> Like the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Like <laughs> if you if you don't know what you're talking about and then either learn or or shut up or start, you know, get a different job, do something. But if you just gonna say shit, like you know what I mean? Or, or just whatever, like just know what you're doing when it comes this is a profession. So we need to change this shit from from the bottom to the top, man. Yeah. I lost I lost my way of making money because of this virus in right. the music business. Because I was making it, you right, you know, helping artists and doing bottom tier shit to get them to the top and middle tier shit to send them off right to the industry devils. I know that sounds bad, but hey, like it is what it is. It's the music business. I had to do something, yeah. and so I would get a certain amount to get them up to the rest of them. And because the music business shut down, I'm out of work. Yeah. That's how it is, man. And so many people are out of work. Hopefully anybody that comes across this particular broadcast, you know, I know this is like a, a long-winded presentation. It's definitely a, a very good conversation. I would say like this right here, I would call it like the solution. Like, you know, you presented the problem in your last podcast and I would say this will be considered like the solution. Now, just right. the only thing is we need anybody out there that's watching anybody that happens to come across and sees this video. And, and if you do happen to listen to it in depth from start to finish, and if you are a artist or if you are a, a host or a platform platform owner or one of either, or, or even all of the above, if you one of those things like, Start spreading that message, man. Let's like let's let's really we presented the solution to the problem right now. Like let's like see us as content creators, as uh owners of platforms and networks and artists for that matter, and producers the whole nine. Let's 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 try to do something that's gonna make an impactful and meaningful change in this music business. You know what I'm saying? I want to see it. Hopefully everybody else out there yeah. want to see the same thing too, you know? Most definitely. That's like, you know, I think that's a good place to wrap it, man. It's like, we just got to make a change now. Cause if we don't, if, if we let whatever happens politically with this virus set in and then 
the like because people don't understand these politicians and these world leaders and all of that they know the people that are at the top of the music. It's all one big corporation. They're all friends. So when all of this shit's going on with the world, these people are notified ahead of time at the top of the business. It fucks the people from the middle down in the business, like myself and, you know, artists and writers and producers and everything. When you start seeing people like RZA in trouble, you know that it's affecting the middle down. He's not at the top. Right. Like, you know, I know a lot of people would like to believe that because, like, you know, they ha- they have him on a high pedestal. He's not. Yeah. It's affecting the middle, like, you know, down. So we need to rebuild that. We need to rebuild the bottom of the pyramid. We need to get that back up. Yeah. And if we don't build that structure, they will. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely with this whole we- digital space right now. I know I've heard you mention that a couple of times before, you know, about, you know, the digital side and. FM coming over to this particular lane and all that stuff like that. It's like it's time to really set the mold and build a foundation that is going to be, you know, uh, that's this is going to be solid and just out of the hands of these corporations that's in control of what we have now. You know what I'm saying? And once we get that and we establish our own gatekeepers and everything like that, like let's keep all of the the fuck shit out of it because you know it, it was the fuck shit that ruined it in the first place. You know. Yep, and it's the fuck shit that got your favorite artists selling their copyrights right now and selling their publishing and all of that type of shit, man. Yeah. Like, keep looking out. If motherfuckers don't believe us, just keep googling. Just do a Google alert for Merc Macchiatis buys. <laughs> or, yeah. or you gonna hip, see the whole catalog pop buy. up there of <laughs> artists that he, not even a catalog, a whole list. Of people yeah. that he he's bought their uh their publishing and their copyrights from him. And when I looked in and did my research on it, I'm like, damn. Like now I understand why Beyonce for that long time was in such a bad situation at one point because he was at one point in control of her career. Her manager. Yeah. yeah. He was her manager. People don't really even know the date that he stopped having so much control over her for real, for real. Yeah. Like, you know, Hove, Hove keeps that shit a secret. Like, you know, business insiders think it was like as recently as like 2015. Yeah. Like, you know, that she was stuck. It's crazy. He's a devil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not just Merck, but there's a lot of people like him, but he's at the top of that game of people who go around and, you know, he managed a lot of people. He's, he's got all the right connections you're going to see a lot of the people that you grew up listening to selling off all of your favorite songs. Yeah. And you're going to see them in places that you never fucking thought you would see them before. You're going to see them fucking you know, alongside Mickey Mouse and shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? For real, it's going to be nuts. And that, you, and that says something about the music business as a whole. Yeah. And we can't just keep seeing shit like that happening and then seeing motherfuckers like, you know, just drop their shit on Spotify and drop their shit on SoundCloud and Apple and all of this and being selfish and being like, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. What? Okay, so let's say I do. Now what? There's no business for you. Yeah. Like, you know, build a brand. B- separate yourself. Build a brand. Become less selfish. Network with other like-minded people. And if that sounds too hard for you to build your own brand and network with like-minded people... Just get out the way. Work somewhere else. Exactly. Get out the way. Like, you That's know, it's it. a profession. That's it, man. Yo, well, I know we definitely 
this went longer than expected. I know we were saying, you know, a half hour at first, but we went damn near yeah, two yeah. hours, man. But it was a pretty much needed discussion and was definitely had a whole lot of good information and a whole lot of good talk within it. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully people out there that watches it, they will, you know, use this as some kind of reference or some kind of guide to come back to and just be like, you know what? Let's, let's put together these ideas and let's start making something more valuable than what's already out here. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully they do the right thing by listening to this. Yeah, man. And word up. You can hit me up at uh, For All Matters Podcast at gmail.com and you can hit me up on Twitter at Divine Thought TM. Yeah, no doubt. And definitely, as I see it scrolling across the bottom of the screen, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Nonstop Radio 212 on my personal Twitter page at the Emilio Wackbar to stay up to date with the latest news and highlights from your favorite hip hop shows, favorite hip hop show. And be sure to check out past and present episodes of the Nonstop Radio Show available now on SoundCloud.com forward slash nonstop dash radio dash show. And also be on the lookout for our brand new daytime show which is called the non-stop radio show presents the in the spotlight show also hosted by yours truly which will be premiering tuesday 10 a.m eastern standard time on ngi radio then it's going to become a daily program after that so definitely be on the lookout for that and also be on the lookout for products from my sponsors over at troll wellness definitely be on the lookout for their products coming real soon I definitely got to, you know, I got to plug that black soap because that shit is good. But we about to go ahead and get up out of here for the night, man. He said his peace. And I'm saying peace. And until next time, y'all all be safe out there, y'all. Yeah.